the day before Thanksgiving in 1971, a man identifying himself as Dan Cooper bought a plane ticket from Portland to Seattle. He hijacked the plane, claiming he had a bomb in his briefcase and demanded $200,000 in four parachutes. He jumped out of the plane with the money and the bomb somewhere over the Pacific Northwest, never to be seen again. The FBI claims to have investigated over a thousand people, including dozens of deathbed confessions. In 2016, 45 years after the hijacking, the FBI suspended its investigation of the case. While the FBI is no longer looking for D.B. Cooper, there is a community of people who are trying to solve the case on their own. Welcome to the Cooper Vortex. In this episode, we're joined by Douglas Perry. Doug is a writer, author, and journalist for The Oregonian. The Oregonian has been a leader in Cooper coverage since 1971, and Doug has been the man responsible for that coverage for the last few years. He's done a lot of great work on the case and has talked to many of the players in the D.B. Cooper game. I really enjoyed talking to him, and I'm sure you'll enjoy listening to this. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, Douglas Perry. All right, well, let's start with what got you to be the guy who writes about D.B. Cooper for the Oregonian? You know, I, m- I remember when I was a kid, I saw um, the Treat Williams movie about D.B. Cooper and, and just being fascinated by that and loving that. Um, and then when I you know, moved to Portland uh, in 2004, you know, it's D.B. Cooper is just something that's in the air here. You know, people just remain fascinated by it and, and interested in it. Um, but I was here for quite a few years without ever having written anything about D.B. Cooper. And then um, the FBI decided to close the case. Uh, and so I wrote something about that in 2016, uh, that the FBI, after all these years, decided, well, can't solve it. We're done. Closing it up. Um, and uh, that's when um, an engineer in New Hampshire uh, named Bill Rollins uh, gave me a call and said, I think I've found out who D.B. Cooper is, and it's not someone that uh, has ever been on the radar of, of all the Cooper obsessives of uh, the FBI, as far as we know. Uh, and so he pitched his story to me, and I thought, wow, that's, uh, he really has done research, and he's thought this out, and uh, this will make a good story, and that kind of started it. Did you realize you were going to become the D.B. Cooper guy at no. that point? No. I mean, I don't, I don't consider myself the D.B. Cooper guy, but yes, I have written uh, you know, a fair number of uh, stories now since then. Uh, but no, I thought uh, this was an interesting person, Bill Rollins, and I'd write a story about him and his quest, and that would be that. Um, and, and that's always been, as I've kind of been pulled deeper into this, that's what's been most interesting to me is um, these, these people, these amateur sleuths who are trying to solve this case. That's, that's far more interesting to me personally than actually who D.B. Cooper is. Uh, oh, I agree 100%. I mean, the, these characters are incredible people yeah, with, I mean, with real interesting stories. Exactly. I kind of liken it to um, you know, being a Chicago Cubs fan. Um, you know, for... For a lot of fans, uh, the fact that they never won was what made them fans. I mean, they wouldn't admit it. They wouldn't say it that way. 
but it was. And then, you know, when they finally won the World Series, it was, you know, you almost, you know, kind of felt a letdown as a fan. It's like, well, what do I do now? They're winners, you know. <laughs> this isn't what I got in. This is not what I signed up for. Um, so I kind of feel like, you know, if, if uh, this case was suddenly solved, it would be hugely deflating for, for a lot of these guys because the, the quest is what it was all about. Yeah, especially if it wasn't their suspect that ended up being Cooper. <laughs> exactly. Um, once you had written that second article with Bill Rollins, did the floodgates open at that point? People contacting you like, hey, you got it wrong. It's this guy. Or, hey, listen to my story now. Uh, I wouldn't say floodgates, but uh, certainly there have been, you know, some you know, pretty regular uh, contact with various people in the Cooper universe. Um you know, uh, you know, both mostly, you know, really uh, thoughtful uh, people who, who take the case seriously. Um, you know, some that have been, you know, rather strange. Um, Dwayne Weber's uh, widow got in touch with me not long ago by email, and I just, I couldn't even make sense of, of what she was writing, you know. So it's, uh, you know, some, some suspects are... Uh, uh, more valid than others, certainly. Definitely. Uh, do you have a favorite suspect? You know, I, I think uh, William J. Smith is uh, very interesting. Um, that that's uh, you know a, a suspect that um, this Army data analyst who who prefers to remain publicly anonymous has come up with again someone like like with uh, Joe Lakich, uh, Bill Rollins' suspect who has not been out there uh, discussed and talked about. He, he came up with them on his own, and I think it's a, a really interesting possibility. Sheridan Peterson is also an interesting possibility. Um, but, you know, I don't know. If I, you know, had to put down money on it, uh, I, would, I would put down money on, uh, you know, the Skyjacker dying you know, from the fall. That he, oh, really? That he's, he's, uh, there's a corpse somewhere high up in a uh, tree in the forest. Uh, <laughs> and one of these days, uh, you know, an earthquake or something, we'll uh, send it tumbling to the ground and we'll find it. I wouldn't have guessed you would thought he died in the, in the jump. What makes you believe that? You know, I'm not saying I believe it. I think I, I'm saying that's, to me, the most likely possibility. I mean, that's, that is what the FBI says. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not one of these people who thinks the FBI is running a big conspiracy theory scam on us. I think that's what the FBI does believe. Um, and I just think with the resources put towards uh, finding this guy that they probably would have found him. I think it's 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 hard to just disappear. Um, it's unlikely uh, the the skyjack would have just gone back to his normal life and uh, you know never spent the money. Um, I mean yes, um, it's true that there are various ways to you know launder the money. You know you go spend it in Vegas or whatever, but. Um, I just find it hard to believe that the um, FBI would come up with, with nothing. But we don't know for sure that they have come up with nothing. I mean, it's quite possible that they have, you know, they feel like they know who it is, but they don't have enough evidence to bring a case. That's entirely possible. Um, oh, yeah. So who knows? Do you think the drop zone's accurate? 
the drop zone, the FBI theorized he landed kind of like in the aerial Yakult Amboy. Oh boy, I don't know. I mean, I've 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 looked at that, um, you know, not in great detail, but I certainly talked to a number of people who have different opinions on that. Um, Eric Olis, uh, who who believes Sheridan Peterson is um, is the skyjacker, uh, has done a great deal of work on that, and he's he's looked at you know he's run uh, analyses on uh, on the the wind patterns on that night and all that kind of stuff, and he you know he concluded that the FBI got it wrong and that DB Cooper probably came down on uh, Bachelor Island in mm-hmm. Washington State, and I've you know I've looked at his work and I mean it's I mean, it, it's legitimate the way he's going about it, um, but it's algorithms and it's math, and that's not the way the world works when you're, you know, hurling towards the ground after jumping out of a plane. So, uh, who knows? I mean, uh, the FBI's drop zone is a guess to a certain degree. I mean, no one knows exactly where he jumped out of the plane. That's for sure. So, you know, I, I, I don't have an opinion on it. But you believe he most likely died in the jump? I think that's the most likely uh, possibility. Back to uh, William Smith for a second, because I've I've been trying to convince that uh, Army data analyst to be on the show. Okay. <laughs> and I remember reading your article about that, and I was so mad. I was like, how does he get to know about this? And I don't know anything about it yet. Um. How do you feel about introducing suspects like that to the public? I don't. I don't have a problem with it. You know, I, I try to be discerning. Um, you know, uh, again, to me, uh, the most interesting aspect of, of the DB Cooper case at this point, forty plus years later, is the continuing interest in it. And who are these people who, who, uh, in some cases, devote their lives? Uh, you know, other cases, it's just a, you know, a, a hobby that they take very seriously. And I, I just find them interesting. So telling their stories is interesting to me. Um, but I do try to be discerning in that. Uh, I'm not going to tell. Uh, I'm not going to present a suspect where it's just you know, kind of Looney Tunes. Um, so if someone comes to me and they've got, you know, they've done real research and, um, you know, they've really hit on something uh, and they can, they can back up what their theory is to, you know, a certain degree based on the evidence that's available, um, then I will look at that and consider writing about it. Uh, and that's what I did with this data analyst. He's, he's a smart guy. He's got, you know, he's a, you know, professional, you know, works for the U.S. Army. He's, um, you know, he's an accomplished individual. Um, you know, he's not a conspiracy theorist. He hasn't been fascinated with this case for years. He kind of stumbled upon it. Um, it became kind of a, you know, a, a, you know, a puzzle for him. He's a guy who likes to, you know, solve problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, it was just something he decided to take up, um, you know, over a short term. And he, he found this suspect that nobody else had found. And, he, and there's a, a lot to it that makes you say, hmm, that's really interesting. Uh, and then, of course, once, you know, after he had found this suspect, based on the evidence he had put together, he found a picture of him, and it matched up so, so completely with 
the Wanted poster, um, that it really, it, it really opened my eyes. I think it opened a lot of people's eyes. I, I certainly had people here in the newsroom come to me and say, that's, that's got to be the guy, right? It's a striking <laughs> resemblance. It is. Um, are you presented with Looney Tunes stories and theories? I've gotten some. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not uh, inundated with, you know, uh, with theories and pitches all the time, but they, they come in here and there. Do you question whether or not to to publish the names of people who are accused? Because William Smith had a family. Mm-hmm. And if he wasn't Cooper, it would be odd to read that your dad or your grandpa, mm-hmm. you know, committed a crime. That is uh, always a consideration, certainly. I mean, if it's, if it's someone who has been identified... Uh, uh, and investigated by the FBI, such as Robert Rackstraw or Sheridan Peterson, then no, there's no qualms. If, however, it's someone like Joe, Joe Lakich, um, you know, that Bill Rollins uh, came up with, or William Smith, um, that this Army data analyst came up with, um, then yes, then, then it's a higher bar, and uh, it's a matter of uh, looking at the evidence, looking at the story, um, and and we do try to contact the family um, because in both of these cases those uh, those men are dead. Um, and then I you know I talk to my editors and we we hash it out and make a determination whether it's uh, you know worth pursuing. There's no liability or anything in accusing someone who's passed away. No, and and you know I'm not accusing anyone. You know that's you know, I'm just uh, I'm reporting on um, you know the, this person's effort to investigate the case. Um, so it's not it's not about accusing. And I'm not even I'm not even sure I'd go so far as to say that you know Bill Rollins or this uh, you know Army analyst are accusing. You know they they have become you know, interested in the case and they have followed their particular breadcrumbs to particular people um, and, uh, and are making, um, you know, suppositions. Um, does that rise the level of accusation? Uh, I guess, you know, we're splitting hairs here maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I agree, that would, that would be odd. And, and certainly I have, you know, tried to get in touch with uh, family members on these uh, two occasions. Uh, in, in both cases with, um, with no luck. I find it interesting that they're just not willing to engage on it. I find that interesting also because I've, I've talked to a lot of people who are you know, theorizing that this person is, is Cooper and all these people have family members. Mm-hmm. And it seems like in every case, the family won't talk about it at all. And I, I don't know if that's their strategy, like, hey, I want this to go away, so we're just gonna ignore it completely. Or, or what? And it, it really makes me wonder. And a lot of times the people in question that are pushing a, a certain suspect, it makes them, um, they feel like vindicated. Like, yeah, the family won't even talk about it because obviously it's true. Well, yeah, that, that'd be a big leap to reach that conclusion. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I've, uh, I haven't uh, received pushback. And... Um, and, and Bill Rollins and this data analyst have been in touch with family members. 
and uh, you know haven't you know they, they haven't uh, had family members say well yeah I think so too or you know but at the same time they're not they don't appear to be put off by it yeah that's true I mean maybe it's just kind of fun the family can talk about it uh, at Thanksgiving like right. hey you know do you hear Uncle Bill is in the news about being DB Cooper I think it is uh, you know far enough in the past that it, you know a lot of people just don't even consider it real anymore uh, it's just kind of a, a fun thing to speculate on um, and you know and he, and DB Cooper is uh, a folk hero at this point I mean it's not surprising <laughs> you know we've got you know at least a half dozen men who have made deathbed confessions saying that they are D.B. Cooper. Oh, yeah. You know, um, you know, the latest is uh, um, that's, you know, come out is what Walter Reka, um, who I just, I, it's ridiculous. I just don't think there's any possible chance that he's the guy. Why is um, that? You just look at, you know, his his life. You just look at the, the the evidence. Either fits or it doesn't. The the circumstantial evidence that's out there. I mean, either it either you know fits enough that you can say, well, that's possible, or it just doesn't. And and he's one case where it it just doesn't. Yeah, a lot of people tend to agree with that. I think the hardest thing for people to overcome is that he landed in Clay Ellum, which doesn't really fit where the where the plane was headed. Right. What about? Uh, Rackstraw, who recently passed away, mm-hmm. um, and, and Sheridan Peterson, you know, they were both being accused of being the hijacker while they were alive. Right. Uh, and Rackstraw tended to kind of wink at about it and like, oh, yeah, it wasn't me, um, but maybe it was. Uh, and then Sheridan Peterson has, has said a couple of times uh, that it wasn't him, but he's also seems to be kind of coy about it. Right. I mean, again, you know... Um for a certain kind of guy um, to be accused of being D.B. Cooper uh, is a real ego boost, you know. Uh, you know, for a macho kind of guy saying, "Yeah, people think that you know I could steal two hundred thousand dollars and leap out of a commercial airliner and survive and and live for forty plus years without getting caught. I'm the man." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so there's that. And, and Rackstraw is a, a really interesting guy. Uh, you know, he had an impressive combat career in, uh, uh, during the Vietnam War. Um, it, it appears uh, pretty clear that he was a relatively successful con man after the war. Um, you know, he had the skills and the daring to be D.B. Cooper. Uh, and, and so Tom Colbert has done some really good work uh, on the case. He's the journalist and you know documentary filmmaker who's 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 written a whole book about Rackstraw. You know, did that documentary about Rackstraw. Um, and so and Colbert's to be commended. I mean, he's done fantastic research. He's he's uh, unearthed a lot of new stuff. Uh, and just the story of Rackstraw himself, you know, if, even if you set aside D.B. Cooper from it, uh, is, is a great story. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so that's great. Now, is he D.B. Cooper? Um, I don't think so. Um, you know, one, of the, one thing that, uh, that I kind of feel happened with Colbert is he became so invested in it that 
you know, he began um, kind of fitting the evidence to his suspect, which is always a danger, you know. Uh, I mean, that, that can happen to you uh, when you just really become, you know, focused. Um, uh, but it's a problem. I mean, one, you know, Rockshaw was too young. He was 28 in 1971. And, um, you know, all the witnesses say that D.B. Cooper was in his 40s. And so Colbert has come up with this theory that, you know, he, that Rockshaw, you know, put on all this makeup and a wig, you know, to make himself look older. Um, and there's no real evidence for that. You know, he, he says Rockshaw's ex-wife, you know, found a wig after he moved out and that he decides that that's proof. I don't know about that. I also just kind of feel like Rackshaw's personality doesn't fit. You know, uh, all the witnesses say that, that Cooper was just kind of quiet, polite, um, kind of an abashed personality. Um, Rackstraw could be charming by all accounts, but he was also this kind of big personality, you know, gregarious, arrogance. Um, you know, could he have put on an act, a meek act, you know, when he was uh, hijacking a plane? Yeah, but why would he have? Uh, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, and then finally, I think that, um, you know, Colbert made a, a, with a real mistake with um, the codes in the D.B. Cooper letters. Um, you know, a number of letters showed up at various newspapers in the weeks and months after the skyjacking, purporting to be from D.B. Cooper. Many of them were obvious hoaxes. Um, some of them, who knows, and some of them Colbert thinks was real. And, and those letters had these kind of number letter combinations on them, that mm -hmm. were, you know, possibly codes. Um, and so Colbert found a Vietnam War veteran to look at the codes and use his old army code book to, to break them. Um, the problem there is that uh, this veteran, seems like a nice guy, good guy, I've talked to him. You know, he wasn't a code expert. He, he, was, he had basic army code breaking training. Um, and he went in looking for these codes to identify Robert Rackstraw. That, that's, that's what Colbert told him. It's Rackstraw. That's what these codes, I'm, I'm convinced that's what these codes are going to say. And so, so there's confirmation bias there. Um, so he broke the codes, came to the conclusion that they said, I am Robert Rackstraw, and you know, those kind of things. Um, I don't understand code breaking. Anything about mathematics confuses me, so you know, I it was it was beyond me. Um, but I took those codes to you know a couple of you know cryptologists, real oh you did experts in this field. Oh, I guess you haven't seen those stories. I haven't seen. Them. <laughs> um, so yeah, one one was an academic, and the other was a cryptologist uh, working for the government in national security, and both of them separately. Um, found that um, the technique that Colbert's codebreaker used um, was so simplistic that he could have made the code say anything he wanted to. 
absolutely anything. It, you know, it's just a matter. It's just a number and letter substitution method that if you just do trial and error long enough, you can get what you want. And I didn't really, you know, understand it, but these cryptologists walked me through it and showed me. And he, one of them showed me how he could make that code say, "I am Squ SpongeBob SquarePants." You know, and using the exact same method that, you know, the guy used that had it say, I am Robert Rackstraw. Did they believe it was even a code? They weren't certain about that. It, it might have been, might not have been. The fact that Colbert just, you know, accepted that and didn't take it to the next level to, you know, confirm it showed that he, to me, was, you know, in a little too deep. Uh, and I say that reluctantly because he's, he's a solid journalist. Um, he's done great work, um, just great work on Robert Rackstraw um, and written a really uh, fun and interesting book about him. Um, but ultimately I determined I think he's off base in, in thinking he's D.B. Cooper. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. You said something interesting, like if Rackstraw isn't Cooper, his story is still amazing. And... That's definitely true. He led a really wild life uh, and did some incredible things. Most of the suspects, from my experience, have a similar tale. Whether or not the D.B. Cooper portion is true, they led very interesting, very amazing lives. Uh, another one like that that you've written about several times, uh, Sheridan Peterson. What do you think of Sheridan Peterson as the hijacker? Uh, it's an interesting... Uh possibility. Uh, you know, uh, Eric Olas has kind of become the expert uh, on that. He spent years researching the case. He's managed to talk to Peterson, who's still alive in his 90s. He's talked to Peterson's ex-wife. He's talked to FBI agents who's worked on the case. Uh, again, like Colbert, good, solid investigative reporting there. So I have to uh, give Eric credit. Um, and there, there's um, certainly uh, reason to uh, consider him a serious suspect. Uh, Peterson had the skills, he had the courage, he had the imagination to pull off the crime. Um, you know, he's in the Marines, he worked for Boeing, he was a smoke jumper, um, he was just a, generally a, a skydiving daredevil. Um, he's the right age. Kind of looks like the Cooper sketch. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a, he's a legitimate suspect. Uh, the motive is a question mark. The best theory that Eric came up with is that the Vietnam War radicalized him. Um, Peterson worked for a time during the Vietnam War uh, as a refugee uh, aid assistant, you know, in Southeast Asia. That's pure speculation, you know. Um, you know, you know. This is a case where it'd be nice to hear from the FBI. You know, they 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 did look at Peterson almost from the get-go, and yet they didn't actually interview him uh, until 2004. So you know, 30 years later. Um, why? Why did it take them so long? Um, they took his DNA during that 2004 meeting. We don't know, you know, did it come back with no match? Did it come back inconclusive? We have no idea. The FBI hasn't told us. P 
Peterson, you know, like Rackstraw, ha has been coy about, you know, when he's been asked about being Cooper, but ultimately he said he's not. He said he was in uh, Nepal mm -hmm. uh, in November 1971. Can the FBI not confirm that? Could they not figure that out? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I would think that a simple passport check would determine whether or not Peterson was in the country in November of 1971. That would answer that. Yeah, um, but we don't know. Uh, you know, the, the FBI hasn't ruled him in or out, as far as I know. Um, so, yeah, it's he's a he's a good possibility, but who knows? Have you spoken to anyone at the FBI about the case? I've I've talked to a couple of people. Yeah. Uh, have you spoken to Larry Carr about it? I've never talked to Larry Carr. No. Okay. Who did, uh, without saying, I guess, who you talked to at the FBI, what did you talk about? Uh, you know, I've just talked about, you know, why they closed the case, um, you know, you know, how close they felt they were to it. Um, you know, I talked to uh, Ralph Himmelsbach, who was the original FBI um, uh, agent in charge of the case. Um, I, I was specifically calling him about, you know, uh, the William J. Smith, uh, because that came up out of uh, Max Gunther's book from the 1980s. Um, and Himmelsbach uh, absolutely dismissed Gunther out of hand, just said, I wouldn't trust a single thing Gunther wrote about the case, uh, which, um, you know, uh, you know, is... Uh, you know, something you got to take seriously when the FBI agent who was dedicated to, you know, solving the case, um, you know, is that emphatic about it. Um, but the FBI is cagey uh, about, about where they are with it. You know, they, they won't say we have no idea. Mm -hmm. They won't say, well, we've got some good suspects, but we can't prove it. Um, you know, what, what they say officially is what they say privately. You know, we think he probably died you know, jumping from the plane. Ralph Himmelsbach definitely thinks that. Have you read the Max Gunther book? I did. What, what's your take on it? Uh, I think most of it is fiction. Um, not that necessarily that Gunther wrote it as fiction, but the story that was told to him um, is mostly fiction. Um, so the story there is... Um, Gunther says he was contacted in 1972 on the phone by a guy saying, I'm D.B. Cooper and I want to tell you my story. Um, this is odd considering that Gunther hadn't written about uh, Cooper. He was mainly a business writer. So it seems of all the journalists in the world, why would you pick out Max Gunther? Um, but someone did contact Gunther. Uh, and so that, that is almost certainly true. Um, and then nothing came of that. And then about 10 years later, a woman contacted Gunther and said, he's died, uh, D.B. Cooper has died. Um, I, was, I was the one who found Gunther out in the, in the woods, and now I want to tell you my story. Um, and so Gunther talked to Himmelsbach uh, in great detail about this interaction he had. And Himmelsbach said, let me talk to this woman. And they had some sort of communication. I can't remember now off the top of my head if it was by phone or by letter. Um, but Himmelsbach decided this, this woman is not legit. It's not real. 
Gunther went ahead and wrote a book, basically just telling the story, presumably telling the story that she told him. Much of it is obviously fiction. Um, they have this kind of meet-cute moment out in the woods where D.B. Cooper has fallen and he's injured himself after his skydive, and he goes and crawls into a shed, uh, and this woman finds him, and they fall in love, and, and, and it's just, it's ridiculous. Um, but Army data analysts who stumbled upon Gunther's book um, recognizes that a lot of it is fictionalized, but he found pieces of it that rang true to him and that presented some pieces of information that later was released by the FBI and proved to be true. So he became interested and started to try to pick out the truth from the fiction, which, you know, uh, not easy to do. Definitely. Um, but that led him to um, ultimately to to William Smith, and uh, and it came up. It's a and it's a fascinating theory too. Um, so uh, you know, it's uh, I think Smith and Sheridan Peterson are are two um, possibilities. Um, you know, I would still consider them long shots, but I, it, there's um, decent reason to look at them as suspects. On, on the Max Gunther book, he didn't present that book as being fiction. And he continued to be a writer and a journalist. So to say that I'm presenting this as nonfiction, um, if it was made up, that would be a really risky move for a journalist. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, he presented it, for the most part, as this woman Clara's story that she told to him. Mm -hmm. And he couldn't verify most of it because, uh, you know, she wouldn't meet in person. She wouldn't give her her full name or real name. Um, he ultimately had to take her story on faith. Um, and so it's kind of an as-told-to memoir in a sense. Um, and you have to either believe it or not. Uh, he chose to believe it. Yeah, that's kind of the way the book ends, if I remember correctly. Exactly what you just said. You know, this was told to me. I tend to believe it, but you can decide for yourself. Mm -hmm. I've I've read it all the way through and then read bits and pieces of it several times. And I just, I'm not sure. It is definitely an incredible story. But the part that really puzzles me is that um, a legitimate guy wrote it as nonfiction. And, you know, when you're doing that, you're really risking your reputation on that and i just question if he if he didn't believe it why would he have done that true i mean he he had a, a you know solid journalistic career he had a you know solid reputation uh wrote you know some some good you know books uh prior to uh this db cooper book um why would he risk it if he knew he was writing fiction and presented it as fact you know, maybe he thought he'd get rich, um, but and that it was worth taking that risk. My guess is that he did believe the woman, um, and you know that he wanted to believe the woman, um, and and so presented it as such. Um, you know, I was, um, I, you know, when Himmelsbach just said ah, Gunther was, you know, I wouldn't trust him as far as I could throw him. Um, you know that. That uh, hit hard for me. When an FBI agent says that about uh, a reporter, uh, I take that seriously. Uh, and so I um, t 
tend to view the book as fiction. Um, now, does that mean that there aren't aspects of the book that are true? No, I, I think there probably are aspects of the book that are true, but you cannot trust the book, and you should not trust the book. Um, what I uh, found interesting about what this Army data analyst did is that, you know, he kind of picked through the book and and kind of tested what he found in the book, um, and he found you know, uh, an individual, uh, someone who, as far as we know, was, n you know, never a suspect by the FBI, um, you know, so who Ralph Himmelsbach never knew about. Um, and so pulled this person out from, from, the, from the dross uh, of this fictionalized book um, using um, purely factual information that's out there in the public record. Um, and then he tried to fit, you know, try to see if this man that he'd found through this questionable source uh, actually fit real facts that, you know, were solid. Um, and ultimately he, that led him to William Smith, who's not the original person he found, but was a coworker of the person he found. Um, and, and he used, you know, a legitimate means, uh, a legitimate way of uh, going about um, you know, pursuing uh, this person, um, and so th that suspect becomes became legitimized through his work. Oh, definitely. Do you have a favorite book on the case? Yeah, uh, it's fiction. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, a book by uh, the journalist uh, Daryl Bob Houston. Um, uh, the King of the Midnight Blue, I believe is the name of it. Uh, Houston was uh, uh, a journalist. Who, he, he died in the 80s. Um, he was just this kind of really wild uh, 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 personality who, who um, very funny writer. Uh, he, wrote, he wrote kind of in a satirical vein, um, kind of a, a national lampoon, lampoon type uh, writing style, who became, uh, as admittedly, uh, he admitted, um, you know, obsessed with the case, uh, but he never took it too seriously. Um, and so he decided in the mid-70s to um, write a novel uh, about the D.B. Cooper case. And it's, it's a weird, weird book. Uh, published, uh, paperback original by some little publisher so it's actually not well known um, but it's it's uh, entertaining and strange I'll have to check that out I've never read that do you think the bomb he had was real on the plane uh, I don't but I have no way of knowing <laughs> yeah he took it with him no one no one knows that for sure do you think this case will ever be solved only if uh, the FBI is right that he died and he one day the bones fall out of a tree you don't think somebody has a stash of 20s and a parachute in their attic? I highly doubt it. I mean, I, I do consider it possible, but I doubt it. Do you think people want the case to be solved? People who care about the case, yes. Uh, but as I said you know, earlier, I, I think that if it ever is, that uh, they will be unsatisfied, whoever 
uh, it proves to be, and, and they will feel kind of deflated because that was, again, it was the quest that was important. It's, it, it's, uh, it's the journey, not the destination, right? Yeah. And, and like you said, he's become a folk hero, especially in this area. Um, you know, he stuck it to the man and he got away with it uh, and really did it without physically hurting anyone in the process. So I think that kind of allows people to root for him um, more than the average skyjacker. I think you're exactly <laughs> right. That's a great way to put it. I mean, he, you know, this happened at a time of, uh, you know, where the anti-hero or, you know, uh, you know, anti-authority, you know, uh, uh, feelings were very high. And, and so uh, the fact that he didn't hurt anybody at a time when you had a lot of radicals who were setting off bombs and hurting people, um, he, w he wasn't doing it, as far as we know, for political reasons. Um, you know, it was exactly as you put it. He stuck to the man and, you know, disappeared into the thin air. And that made him an attractive figure yeah it would def and if the case is solved it would definitely end all the i think it would end the parties and the celebrations uh or it would definitely have a different spin to them uh after that i appreciate you coming on the show doug excellent i've enjoyed it thank you very much thank you you can find more of doug's work in the oregonian or on their website oregonlive.com he also has his own website douglasperry.net and has authored several books. You'll find links to it all in the show notes, so go check it out. If you would like to be on the show or know someone we should have on the show, you can reach us on Facebook. We are The Cooper Vortex on Twitter at dbcooperpodcast or email us dbcooperpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to Doug Perry for donating his time to the show and hosting the interview. Thank you to Russell Colbert for donating his time to the show. I'm Darren Schaefer, and thank you for listening to The Cooper Vortex.